0: All right, so let's get into this word this morning. If you have your Bible, please turn to Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to start with verse 14 and go through verse 21. So, as you're doing that, if you haven't been here, we are in this series called Make Room. Make room. Everybody say, Make room. Look at your neighbor. Don't touch him or anything unless you came with him. And just give him one of these, like, make room. Get out of my way. I got something to receive this morning. Make room. So Isaiah 43, chapter 14 through 21. Uh, is where we're going to start today. And what I'll do is I'll read this text, and then I'll give you the title of this message within this series. And then we'll pray, and then we'll get to work. Because there's something that God wants to show us throughout this text, throughout this message, that I believe is super important for the start of an, any new year, whether this year or next year, whatever it is. If you're going to start something new, I think this message is really important. So um, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 14, and we'll look through 21. Uh, Here's what it says. It says, this is what the Lord says. And I'm going to just say this right now. Verses like 14 through 17. I'm only reading because I love when God just flexes. I love when God is just like like showing out in some sense. So 14 through 17 honestly has nothing to do with where I'm going this morning. I just love how. I guess you would say how greasy God is talking right here. So here's what he says. It says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. Ain't that so real? It's like God is like, look, them ships that you think is all of that, I'm about to send you right back home in those ships. Uh, Verse 15. It says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. This is God talking. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. And see, we love the baby Jesus, the one that's in the manger that's so nice and sweet and kind. And he's all that. But he's also this God who's like, don't forget. Like, I was, I'm I'm a bad dude. Like, don't forget, you play around with my people, I'm a bad dude. And as God's people, we should be applauding and appreciating the fact that God stands up and shows out on our behalf. But this is what he's saying. He's like, yo, I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But here's where it gets real, and this is where we're going today. Verse 18, it says, but forget all that. Look at your neighbor and say, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I am about to do something new. Everybody say something new, so make room. Somebody say something new, so make room. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls, too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland. So my chosen people can be refreshed. Verse 21, I have made Israel for myself, and they will someday honor me before the whole world. Here's my message title today. My message title for today's series, Make Room, is Everything Must Go. Look at your neighbor and say, everything must go. It's like a spiritual liquidation cell. Everything must go. Let's pray. God, we just thank you this morning for who you are, for your presence in this room that we so lovingly sang about, God. We thank you that you show up even before we show up to this space. So, Lord, we thank you for covering this space. Have your way, God. Let this word be made uh, available to these people in the same way that you gave it to me. Let them receive it, God. Let them be, let it be sown deep into their hearts, God. Let them walk away not just having heard a word, but have them become doers of this word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Everything must go. This is where we're going, and and again, it's like a spiritual liquidation. It's like a spiritual clearance sale. Like get all clear all of this stuff out. Make room for the new that God is talking about. You come into a new year, you come into a new situation, you come into anything new, make room spiritually, be prepared on the spiritual front. We made it through Christmas, right? Like everybody's here, you made it through Christmas. First of all, you made it through Thanksgiving. You made it through Christmas. Now you're here in a new year. Everything must go is what we're talking about. And can I tell you, I'm going to give you a little glimpse of what happens in my house around Christmas time. Now, Christmas is supposed to be a joyous time, right? It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be great, like gift-giving, cookies. Yeah? No? Not when you got six kids. Let me tell you something. Anybody who has multiple children, um, you may or may not relate to what I'm about to say, But one of the things that happens in our house around Christmas time, again, we're talking about making room. One of the things that happens in our house around Christmas time is my wife will go on a cleaning spree. And here's why it's not enjoyable for me. And I have learned to look away. Because what my wife does is she takes plastic bags and she goes through all the kids' rooms and she takes all of the toys that they're currently not playing with, she puts them in a bag and she throws them out. Now why is that a terrible time for me? Because I paid for all of it and I just paid for it three months ago. As a matter of fact, the toy that's in the bag that's still got the working batteries, we just bought that last week. So why are you putting it in a bag and getting ready to throw it out? And I I sillily ask this question every year what are you doing and she says to me I am making room all of this old stuff must go because Christmas is right around the corner and they're gonna get new stuff so I say to her you mean to tell me we're gonna take all the stuff that they're not playing with throw it out then we're gonna fill the house with other stuff that in three months they won't play with and then next year we'll be doing the same thing all over again and her response is very simply yes Because we need to make room. I don't know how many little kitchens we have had in our house. It seems like every three months we get a brand new little tiny uh, toddler kitchen. And it's like all the pieces are missing after the first day. And my wife also will go into the rooms and try to keep everything neatly together. And I say, you're wasting your time. There's no way that you're going there later tonight and everything is still going to be where you put it. But she doesn't care. Every year she loads up those trash bags and she makes room for new stuff to come through. Can I tell you, as frustrating as it is for me, there is a lesson inside of that activity that stirs my soul. Because when God is about to do something new in your life, when God is about to change some things some things, move some things in. The best thing that we can do spiritually is start letting all of this old stuff go. Start letting go of the things that you thought were going to be what it is this year. Start letting go of those expectations that you had coming into this new year. Start letting go of all the things that went wrong last year. When God tells us that he's about to do something new, how appropriate is it for us to make room and have a heart and a posture that says, God, I am making room. I'm clearing out all of this old junk in order for you to make way for the new stuff. Like, that's what we have to do. So it's almost like spiritually, we have to get to a point where we're saying, all right, God, if I am going to live open-handed, if I am going to live a life that is pleasing to you to where you can drop new things in, then I have to let go of some of this other stuff. How many of us still hold on to some of the old stuff and a new year doesn't even feel like a new year. It just feels like another day when you come into a new situation, when God is doing something new, you can't just sit back and say, all right, well, we'll see. We'll see if it's going to be new. Oh, brand new year. All right, we'll see. You know, it's kind of cliche sometimes to say this, this phrase, new year, new me. But the reality is that if you have made room in your heart, if you have made room in your spirit for God to do some new things through you this new year, then it truly will be a new you. If you're just saying it because it sounds good for the gram and you're just saying it because other people say it, then you're going to look forward to nothing. But if you truly change your heart and you truly make room in your heart, meaning getting rid of some of this old junk and old mess that's clogging up your spirit, if you truly make room for God to do something new, he will do something new. And the reality is that in this text, this is what God is saying. This is not a, I might do something new. This is not a, I could do something new. This is not, well, I'm thinking about doing something new. This is God saying, I will do something new. And the best response that we can have is to step back and say, all right, God, I'm making room for that new. Look at your neighbor and say, make room for the new. Make room for for the new. I love it because Isaiah, you know, one of the things about reading the Bible, and, and hopefully this is helpful, but one of the things about reading the Bible that will really help you understand what you're reading um, is when you understand what is happening historically in the text. Because you can read this straight through, and you can read a lot of scriptures, and you kind of be looking funky after a while. Like, what are y'all talking about? Like, what's going on here? But the proper way to read the Bible is to first understand what does it mean for the people in Scripture? That's the, that's the start. What does it mean for them back then? Now, obviously, we ain't out here cutting up calves and stuff and, and doing those sacrifices. And if you are, blink twice so we can get you some help in this room <laughs> because you need it. But when we understand the historical aspect of this text, it helps us understand where we're going. And one of the things that we have to understand historically about Scripture is that a lot of what is being described is being uh, talked about for the children of Israel of that day. What we have to understand in order to take the text and really apply it to today is understanding that we are spiritual Israel. So when God says, I'm making something new, I am doing something new. For them, it meant, and I'll I'll make it as clear as possible, obviously we know about their captivity in Egypt, right? So they were slaves, and they got released, and all that stuff, and God parted the Red Sea, and this was awesome. What God is saying right here and what he's speaking through Isaiah is, I'm going to do something better than what I did then. So, yeah, you might have thought that was awesome that I split the Red Sea and you got to walk through and I drowned all of Pharaoh's men and all that awesome stuff. But your captivity in Babylon, me releasing you from that captivity is going to be even better. So much so that the animals in the area are going to be blessed as a result of what I do for you. That's how overwhelming the blessing is going to be. That is what God is speaking to Isaiah and trying to get him to tell the people in that time. So what does that mean for us being spiritual Israel? God is going to do something in your life that is gonna be so overwhelming that those around you who have no connection to you will be blessed as a result of simply what God is doing in your life. So yes, the people that you don't like to talk to, the neighbors that you try to avoid so you hurry up and close your garage or you hurry up and walk around the gate, those people too will be blessed as a result of their proximity to you. That's how great of a blessing God wants to do in your life. That is the something new that scripture is talking about here. So what is that something new going to be for you in this new year? If you make room for God to do it, if you make room, if you clear out all this other spiritual junk, God will reveal that to you. So how do we make room? How do we do this? Here's three points that I want to give you today. Everything must go. The first point is our thoughts everything must go. My thoughts, my old ways of thinking have to go. I know, again, it's cliche, new year, new me, but reality says that if you come into a new year, if you come into this new thing and you have already committed in your mind that things are going to be different, that is where it starts. And don't be surprised if things truly are different when you have set out in your mind that they will be different. If you come into a new year and say, man, this is going to be the same old junk, the same old garbage. Don't be surprised when you got the same old junk and the same old garbage because change starts on the inside and it works its way outside. Making room for the new that God wants to do starts with your thoughts. Start thinking some new things in this new year. Start thinking that God is going to do what he promised he was going to do because the news news flashes that God has already said, I will do it. I will do it, and oftentimes what hinders us from receiving God's blessings is that we are forfeiting it ourselves, and we get upset with God. Like, man, you promised you were going to do this. Man, you promised you were going to make this happen for me, but you stopped praying about it a long time ago. You stop believing God for it when you didn't when it didn't happen for you back then. But if you keep praying and if you keep believing that God is going to do something new, God will do something new. It's that simple. It starts with your thoughts. Out with the old. Look at your neighbor and say, "Out with the old." If you're going to make room for the new, take Take the advice from my wife, Nicole King, to out with the old. Take all that old junk out and carry it out. Get it out of your mind. Get it out of your spirit. And start clearing up space for God to bring in the new. Because if you're holding on to the old, a closed fist, if you're holding on to the old stuff, you don't have an open hand to receive what God wants to do. So you have to let go of those old Here's what Isaiah 43 verse 18 says. And I got three different translations because it's so good. Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Don't even remember it. Don't forget about it. I know it hurt. I get it, man. I know the death of a family member. I know it hurt. I know it stung. I know losing your job in the middle of a pandemic was rough. I know getting COVID and now it feels like you haven't been the same since is rough. But man, stop remembering the old things. Don't even consider it. And this is God telling us it's not like this mindless exercise of like, oh, I'm going to forget all this stuff and forget all the past and all this. No, like it's just God saying, look, if you're going to receive something new, you can't do that if you're still considering all those old things. For the people of Israel, what God is really speaking to is like, look, don't forget how I brought you out last time. Forget because what you'll be expecting is for me to do it the same way I did then. But if you expect me to do it the same way I did then, then you're going to miss the way that I'm trying to do it now. So don't remember the old things. Forget the old things that I did. Now look forward to what I'm going to do now, because that's more important. It's not about the rearview mirror. It's about what's in front of you. And that's what God is speaking here. The New Living Translation of that same verse says, but forget all of that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. And this is not just about negative things that have happened, even the positive things that have happened in your life. Maybe last year you moved into a brand new house, and you had been praying and believing and saving for a brand new house all, all the years before that. God is saying, look, still, forget all of that. I still got some better things for you. I still got some bigger things for you. Are you really going to stop believing after God answers that prayer? Or are you going to believe and believe that God is the God of not just the small request, but the big request and go even bigger? Because when you are blessed, you have the opportunity to bless others. So forget all of that. Forget what I did then. The NIV version says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. How many of us are guilty of dwelling on the past? So much so that it paralyzes you right here, right now. That you might find yourself sitting in a situation and you're thinking and daydreaming. Next thing you know, you've been sitting there for a whole hour thinking about all the stuff you messed up back then. And you've wasted an hour of your current time doing something that God might want you to do now. Because we're worried about all of this old stuff. Out with the old. Stop worrying about those old thoughts. I was going to call this message, um, and don't laugh, this is a judgment-free zone, but I was going to call this message God, the interior designer. It, it's, it wasn't good. I just, I had to come to my senses, and I was like, no, this is could this work. Like, we could do it, Lord, right? And he was just like, uh-uh, you need to go back, come back in prayer to me, figure it out. But the reason why I was gonna call it that is because an interior designer, and what, it, what my hope was was to impress upon you that you have to be interior designers of your own mind. Because an interior designer has the freedom to get rid of all the old stuff as they are preparing the home for the new stuff. Get rid of those old curtains. I'm gonna put these new curtains up. And if the house is bad enough, get rid of this foundation. We are about to tear this whole thing down and rebuild it. You watch them HGTV shows and you'd be like, man, how y'all do that with $20,000? Cause ain't no way. Ain't no way y'all doing this room for $20,000. But interior designers have the freedom to to tell the homeowner, I'm throwing all of that junk out. Yeah, your favorite fish tank that you got from from, uh, whatever weird store you got it from, yeah, I'm throwing that out too. That favorite chair with the floral design that looked like it's been in 1920 forever, yeah, I'm throwing that out. They have the freedom to go in and clear the space so that something new can come in. God is giving you the freedom, and you have the keys, and you have the ability to go into your thoughts and clear out those thoughts to make room for the new stuff that God wants to do. Take the liberty and the freedom to be an interior designer of your own heart and your own mind and clear that stuff out so God can do something new in your heart. I. One of the things that, uh, one, of the, one of the people that, uh, that I am fond of, uh, because I, I just watch every one of his shows, um, is Gordon Ramsay. Um, I don't know if you know who Gordon Ramsay is, but he's the chef. And I love, I, I love Gordon Ramsay so much that I was considering, I was considering going to Las Vegas to one of his restaurants. And then I thought, nah, I looked at the menu, I was like, I ain't eating nothing there. Like, I just like how he'd be yelling at people. Um, But he had this quote that I thought was pretty funny. He said, I don't like looking back. I'm always constantly looking forward. I'm not the one to sort of sit and cry over spilt milk. I'm too busy looking for the next cow. Ain't that real? Like if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, whatever that is, I'm sorry. But like, yeah, we're looking for the next cow. Like in in essence, what he's saying is like, man, I'm not going to be worried about the things that didn't go right. I'm not going to be worried and concerned about the things that didn't happen for me. I'm on to the next thing. What is the new cow that God wants to bring? That sounds so weird. What is the new cow that God wants to bring in your life in this new year? Out with the old, in with the new. You know that phrase just really means to move forward. And that's what God is calling us to do. If I'm going to make room for the new I've got to be out with the old, in with the new. I've got to move forward. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says. If you needed more clarity about why, you gotta get rid of the old thoughts. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. It's already here. It's already here, make room for it. The next thing, so how do we let everything, everything must go. It's in our behavior as well. Starts when our thoughts, it starts in our thoughts, but it's in our behavior as well. And here's the thought behind this. See it before you see it. See it before you see it. Weird too. I know, but say it with me. See it before you see it. We're talking about faith in this moment. Like, how do I see what? God, because if you go back to the text, um, I don't know if you caught this, this the same way that I did. But here's here's how I read it. In verse 19, it says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? It was almost like God was saying, like, don't you don't you see it? Like, don't you uh, do you see you see what I see? Right. Like you, you, you ever be having a conversation with someone? And they'd be like, did you see that? And you'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. That, over there, it's right there. What are you talking about? I felt like God was doing the same thing. Like, don't you see it? Like, in in some sense, saying, like, it's already bubbling up. Like, it's already here. Don't you see that it's here? Do you not perceive it, is what Scripture says. It's already here. So before I actually see it naturally, I need to see it spiritually, if, if I'm going to make room for the new, I have to visualize victory already. There is nothing better than you sitting and visualizing victory. One of the shows that I've been watching recently, and don't judge me because I'm not a Colts fan, but if you ever watch Hard Knocks on HBO, um, they do this in-season like reality show where they follow the team around. And one of the things that the quarterback was saying, he was like, man, sometimes I just sit and visualize the game. And they do this thing called walkthroughs where they will basically walk through every single play that they plan to run for that game. And what it does is it helps them to visualize scoring a touchdown, getting a first down. It gives them uh, an opportunity to visualize success before it actually happens on the field. If we were to visualize victory in our life, do you know how incredible it would be for us if we were to visualize victory? So meaning before it even happen. already my thoughts are geared towards victory. Now my actions have to be geared towards victory. Now I have to know that, man, this is going to happen. I can't just think it, but I have to behave in such a way that I know that this is going to happen. One of the real practical things about doing that is that if you're looking for a new job, if you're looking for God to open doors in a new career, start dressing like God has already answered that prayer. Walk into the building like you own the place. Don't be parking in nobody's parking spot yet because you might get told, and that's on you. Like, God ain't coming to pay for that. But visualize yourself owning the building. If you want to be a world-class singer, visualize yourself in these venues. Start rehearsing and practicing like you're already there. If you want to do something, uh, if you want to preach, start visualizing yourself being in the pulpit. And I know most people are like, nah, that ain't happening. But whatever it is you believe that God is doing new in your life, start seeing it before you actually see it. Start seeing it before you actually see it. He says, do you not perceive it? Shall you know it? Shall you not know it? Do you not see it? Visualize victory. Isaiah is describing uh, this image of like the silent but certain gradual growth. So Isaiah is describing like, man, I know. I'm almost saying this rhetorically. I'm almost asking this question rhetorically. Do you not see it? Because I know it's actually happening behind the scenes. And if you could just visualize and have faith enough to believe that God is actually working, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it feels like God has left you destitute, even when it feels like God has left you homeless, how God has left you by yourself, God is working behind the scenes. You just have to see it. I have to believe it. I have to see it. No matter what my natural circumstances look like, by faith, I have to believe that God is doing something and behave that way. Now, I'm probably going to date myself, but um, the only person that's probably going to laugh at me is my daughter, who's up front. But then again, she may not, because I think she likes this movie, too. But do you guys remember the movie Hook with Robin Williams? Don't be, no, ain't nobody judging you. You can, I mean, it came out in 92. It's, it's all right. If you was 15 when that came out, it's okay. Like, ain't nobody judging you. But in this movie, there's a scene. And I wish I could have played it on the screen. And I'm glad I didn't ask Tina to bring it, because the screens ain't working. But in this movie, there's a scene where Hook, uh, Robin Williams, he goes to sit down at the table and everybody is like, "Ooh, I can't wait to eat. And he is starving. He's like, man, like I am. My stomach is growling. And they start bringing out these pots and it's got like smoke sizzling out of the pots like there's really food in there. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's the scene where, where Rufio says, everybody say grace. And then Hook start, or uh, uh, sorry, not Hook, Peter Pan starts to pray. And everybody's like, grace. And they're like, oh, okay, you really literally meant say grace. Um, but then they open up the pots and pans. And everybody starts digging in like it's a feast. And they're grabbing stuff. And they're grabbing that. And he's just sitting there looking at them like they're crazy. And he's like, what? What is going on? And he looks at Tinkerbell, who's doing the same thing. And he's like, where's the real food? Do you remember what they say to him? They say, you got to imagine. Use your imagination. Today, what I'm telling you is use your faith. Before you actually see it in front of you, use your faith to see it. In that moment, he starts to imagine that there's actually food. And they tell him, like, you're doing it. You're doing it. Here's the food. And then they start having a food fight. I want to encourage you this morning, if you are using your faith to see it, even if you haven't seen it yet, you're doing it. Keep doing it. Keep moving forward. Keep praying about that thing. Keep believing that thing is going to happen. It's going to happen. In the same way that eventually, I think he was actually eating food, God is going to drop that thing in your lap if you keep believing So you got to get out of those old behaviors and let God do something new. Verse uh, verse 19 in our text, it says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. In this text right here, uh, again, this is like God flexing because he's like, yo, even in the places where there's not supposed to be a road, I, because you are my chosen people, I'm going to make a way out of that for you. That's what God is trying to show us like look I get I get the last 2 years have been rough like and rough is an understatement like I get all of that but listen do you not perceive it I'm about to make some roads in this dry waste I'm about to make some rivers in this land where there's not supposed to be in other words I'm about to do the impossible in your life And I think we limit the impossible to just scripture, forgetting that God of the Bible that we read is the same God today. God still wants to do the impossible in your life, but he's waiting for you to behave like you believe he is that God. Start believing that God can do the impossible in your life and watch him do it. He wants to create this river. He wants to create this road in this wilderness. Let him do it. But you've got to have faith enough to believe for it. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. I know your dreams and everything that you're expecting feels impossible. It feels like a long shot. But God, with God, everything is possible. The next thing that we have to do, and and, and before I get to the next point, I I think if I could give you some action items, like some some practical stuff, I I would say this this should be our prayer. This should be our prayer right here. God, help me to see the victory that you already see. That should be our prayer. Going into the new year, if you have affirmations or if you have, you know, a set uh, list of prayers that you pray in the morning, add this one to your list. God, help me to see the victory that you already see. So that it trains your mind and it trains your spirit and it trains your body to start behaving like there's victory already present. Because it is. It might be under the surface and you don't see it just yet. But keep praying and believing for it. God, help me to see the victory that you already see help me to see that I am not fighting for it but because I am chosen it belongs to me God help me to live like every single blessing every something new that you are speaking of belongs to me help me to actually live like it the last point is this everything must go our disposition has to change our disposition has to change. And what I really mean by this is that our response has to change. And here's what I like gracious God, we serve a gracious God who says, Because you are my chosen people, I'm gonna do this for you. Not because of anything you've done, but simply because you are my chosen people. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. We have a gracious God, we need to be grateful people. If we're going to make room for the new, we need to be grateful for what God has already done. And I'll take it a step further and say that we need to have a a spirit of gratitude in our life. What is gratitude? Gratitude, this word gratitude is actually, uh, it's actually, I guess in literature you would call it uh, a portmanteau. A portmanteau for anyone who's like, oh yeah, this is, I I study this. A portmanteau is like, uh, it's like combining two words to make one word. So when I'm exercising gratitude, what I'm doing is I'm having a grateful attitude. I am living life with a grateful attitude, and that's the disposition we have to have. So even in the midst of everything that we are experiencing, even when things get hard and difficult and challenging, I still need to have a grateful attitude attitude. I am grateful because I have a gracious God that he's not going to leave me right here. I am grateful because I know that God is already doing something new. So yeah, I might be driving this beat-up car that I might have to get a ride every morning because it won't start a couple times in, a, in one day. Yeah, I might be driving this car, but at the end of the day, God is still good And he is going to provide. I have to have a gratitude disposition and not be so down on myself. You know, one of the things that's such a pet peeve for me is when I run into people who say I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. But yet when the moment that things go wrong, it's almost like, where did your faith go? Like what happened? Like the moment we got into 2020 and they said mask for everybody. It was like, oh, this is, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. We're all going to die. This is, it's like just last week, you were talking about scripture with me. And now here you are looking crazy. And I'm not judging anybody. Like everyone has their different levels of tolerance when it comes to things that are challenging. And you might have some underlining health conditions, or you might just have had a bad experience before with, with vaccines and stuff. Whatever the case is, at the end of the day, don't lose your faith. Don't walk around and look different. Be, still have an attitude of gratitude, still be grateful for what God is doing because he's still working even in the midst of all of this stuff. So my disposition has to change if I want God to do something new. If I want him to do something new, my disposition has to change. I can't be this Christian who when everything goes right for me, now I'm praising God. Ooh, Everything is going great. Or when people ask, like, how's it going? Oh, man, like I've been working, working like it's been beautiful and awesome. And then the moment you stop working and someone asks me, how's everything going? It's like, man, I don't know where God is at. I don't know where I don't know what happened. I thought I was living right. Uh, and I mean, maybe you do need to check your heart. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some things you need to figure out. But man, don't walk around one minute just being all high off of what God is doing when everything is going right. And then the next minute feeling like, man, I don't even know if there's really a God. Have, have, and have a grateful spirit. One that says, man, in spite of everything that I experienced, God is still good. You know, that's really a question that people debate today. That as a result of all the evil and stuff that goes on in life, is God really good? That's, that's literally a question that old white men have debated. And I can say that because my wife is white. That's what old white men have debated for years. It's like, is, is God really good? And they start saying, well, if God is good, then, you know, does he truly exist? Because now all this evil is happening. And if the presence of evil exists, then that means we don't have a real good. It's like, dude, why is it so hard for us to just look around and see the fact that we have breath in our body and attribute that to a good God? Why is it so hard for us, even as believers, that when things start going south, all of a sudden we forget that the blessing was you waking up in the morning. And if God did just that, that would be enough. But we walk around and we forget. And I've been there, too, where I'm like, man, this church planting stuff is hard. Like, are you sure you want me to keep doing this, God? Like, because if you tell me to stop right now, I'll pack it up and we'll be done. But it's like I have to remember the promise. I have to remember what God spoke before I was even born, what God wanted to do with me and the purpose and the calling had for me and for you as well you have to remember all of those things and be grateful that God has chosen you you are his chosen people it says that all through scripture these are my chosen people I have formed them for myself and in some translation it says and they someday will honor me let that be today that we start honoring God like, man, God, I just thank you for the stuff you're doing. God, I just thank you for how you're you're making this stuff possible, how you're making a, a way out of no way, how you're creating rivers in this dry wasteland. God, I just thank you. When Before you even go to pray about something that you want God to do, just be thankful for what God has already done. Start there. God, I thank you for everything you've done for me. And if you don't do another thing, I'll still be grateful. But, Lord, you know I got something going on. <laughs> but start with gratitude, start by having a grateful attitude. That is the disposition change we need to have. And here's why, because gratitude turns what we have into enough. When I, am, when I have an attitude, a grateful attitude, it turns what I have in front of me into enough. That's it, God, I'm grateful for what you've put right in front of me. If this is it, God, I thank you. My faith, I'm going to continue to pray and continue to believe for bigger and better because he's that God too. But man, if this is it, this is enough. If I have you and your presence, this is enough. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18, and I'll end here. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This is this is his will for you. If you want to know what God's will is for you, just I mean, you could just go to scripture and you could you could even simplify it and go on Google and be like, what is God's will for my life and find it where it says in scripture. He says, look, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. God tells Isaiah, I'm, I'm making rivers in the dry wasteland. I'm sending the Holy Spirit their way because they are chosen, and it's going to benefit everybody around them. And this is kind of like the heart that we have to have. Like, man, God is, God is doing something so great it's going to benefit every single person around me. It says the animals will honor God for what he does because the blessing for God's people will be so great that even they will benefit. Make room for God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. That's what he wants to do in your life, but you got to make room for it. You got to make room for it. In scripture, it talks about old wine and new wine skins. You got to make room for that new wine. You got to make room and let go of everything that you're carrying, every weight, every burden, and let all of that go and let God do what he wants to do in your life.